It's always a privilege to get to share God's words with, uh, with God's people. I am I'm very mindful of uh, some of you, maybe you are listening in from, um, I don't know, home, or maybe it's your first time that you get to follow us today. I am very mindful about uh, the times that we are in as, as a nation uh, in terms of what had happened in the last uh, few days or um, week or so. And uh, maybe you were affected directly. And I know that all of us, we are affected, but if you perhaps were affected directly, you've lost employment, you've lost your business, and, or maybe you've lost your loved one. I just want to, I can only imagine the, the pain. I just want to say that as a church, we have been on our knees praying that uh, God would strengthen you and that God would continue to comfort you because it is not, uh, it's not easy. And I trust that the time that we are going to be st- spending together this morning, that the Lord would um, use this time just to speak to you, just to, uh, to meet you uh, where you are. And... Uh, to strengthen you, to, to give you more hope, and, and also to bring about healing. Um, today we, we are not carrying on from the book of Mark, the series that we've been on uh, for quite a while. I'm going to be speaking from the book of Nehemiah. Uh, specifically, we are going to be focusing on Nehemiah's prayer. Um, and we read from chapter 1, then we read verse 1 to 11, then we we'll look at uh, chapter 2, and we we'll only read one, um, one verse from chapter 2. After that, I've got a message that I'd like to share uh, with you. Uh, it's a prophetic word that I felt the Lord really uh, lay on my heart for for the nation, we share that, then we'll have a time together um, to spend time to pray together. So in this prayer, I want us to look at it with um, three approach, uh, or three approaches. Like the first one is, what is it that we can learn about God from Nehemiah's prayer? Um, secondly, are there some commands that we can follow, and thirdly, are there some examples that uh, we'd like to apply in our lives today? And, and that's, those are, that, that's my, my desire. My desire is to look at this prayer and say, this, what do we see here about, about God? What can we learn about God? What are some of the examples that we can take and apply in our lives? Are there some commands that maybe we can also take? And this is for us as individuals, for us as a church. I also feel like also for us as a nation. And uh, this is such an amazing, amazing prayer. But I have to say it's, it's Nehemiah's prayer for for. 
for Jerusalem before God, but there are a lot that we can take from this and learn, especially in the times that we found ourselves in. So if you have your Bible with you, please turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 1. I want us to read. It's quite a, it's, it's a, it's quite a long, 11 verses that we're going to be reading together. Please bear with me. So the words of Nehemiah, the son of Achaliah. Now it happened in the month of Sevi, uh, Kisvi, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the Saturday, that Anani, that Anani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnants there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and the steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we had sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the outmost parts of, the, of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight 
of this man. Father Lord, we come before you this morning. Before the God who is able to restore, able to heal, able to save. Dear Lord, my prayers that you'd really speak to us. My prayers that you'd bring about healing this morning to our souls. For your glory, Holy Spirit, I ask that in this moment, as we share of your words, won't you come and speak to us? Won't you reveal yourself to us freshly this morning? In your name, Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, let me give us a bit of a background to um, when it comes to Nehemiah and, and this particular prayer. So, this is, it was at the time the Jew completed the worship place or the temple in 1516 BC. But the city walls had remained untouched. They were down and um, for, for about the next 70 years, they were unconstructed, they were down. And, and we have to understand that these walls represented power when it comes to the Israelite, God's people, God's chosen people, according to, um, to scriptures. And these walls represented protection for them. It also represented the beauty of the city of Jerusalem. Now, when we read the book of uh, Nehemiah, what we find is that God put the desire to rebuild the walls in Nehemiah's heart. So God put the desire, but that desire came when Nehemiah, as we've just read, when Nehemiah heard what was happening in Jerusalem from his brother. They explained to him, they said, you know what, the walls of Jerusalem are down. These walls, the walls that mean protection for us, the walls that brings about the beauty of the city. By the way, there were physical walls. These are not like spiritual walls that were down. They were physical. Nehemiah felt so bad on his heart. He felt so bad. And God then put the desire to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah was a common man in a very unique position. He was a cupbearer to the Persian king. He was in a very secure and successful position, though he had no much power in that position, but at least he had influence. And above all, God trusted Nehemiah. He was also a man of God, and he was concerned about the safety of his people. He was concerned about the theft of Jerusalem. And he felt the responsibility to leave his comfort place, to leave his employment, to leave where he was secure, the place which was untouched, 
the place which was not attacked. So it was really in a good space, but he felt the responsibility to go back to Jerusalem. That's where this prayer comes in. He then needed to prepare himself so that he could go speak to his employer, the king. He could ask if he could be released to go back to Jerusalem. And this particular prayer is a full-packed prayer. As you can see, it doesn't only have one dimension. It doesn't only speak about asking for mercy, but it's got some mix of Nehemiah praying, repenting, Nehemiah requesting for God's grace, asking for mercy, Nehemiah also praying for the king to whom he referred to as this man. It's asking God, this man, you know, help me that I may have mercy, that I may find even, you know, mercy so that I can be, in other ways, so that I, my, my request can be granted for me to go back to Jerusalem. So what can we learn about God in Nehemiah's prayer? And what are some of the examples that we can take? Are there stuff that um, just are commands that maybe the Lord would want us to apply in our lives today, individually, as a church, or as a nation? So when we read verse 4, it's very important, one thing that we can learn for us, one example to take is that Nehemiah had a bad news. And we are living in a time when all of us, whether we like it or not, there are some stuff that are not going to work according to our will. But it's how, as Christ followers, how we receive that news, it is very important. And our, how we position ourselves is very important. In verse 4, we are told that as soon as Nehemiah heard these words, you know, the news about Jerusalem. We are told that he sat down and he wept and mourned for days. And he continued to pray. He continued to fast before God. What a good posture to take when you hear the news, when something happened in your life that you need to really run to God, not run away from God, but you need to move towards God. That's what Nehemiah did. He heard what he was told about Jerusalem, but he moved towards God. But he did it in prayer. Then in verse 5, we learn something about God from this prayer. We are told, And I said, O God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant, Steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Nehemiah is trying to tell us that God is sovereign above all. He's the God of heaven. There is nothing that is surprising to God. Even what has happened in Jerusalem, that's what Nehemiah is trying us to say. God is above all the powers. That's why I said, O oh Lord God of heaven, you are the great and awesome God. Friend, in a mix of any kind of a situation, nothing can change who God is, and our view of who God is is very important. He said, you are an awesome God. You are the God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love you in your own situation, in the current situation that the nation is going through, it's good for us to remind ourselves that God is sovereign. God is able. God is above all. 
Nehemiah gives God the glory due to his name. That's something that we can learn from this. He gives God the glory. You know, he, he, looks at, he, he looks at the situation, but he said, this God is so much bigger than the situation before us. There is no powers both of the harper of the lower worlds, angels and king. This God is above those powers. He is a God to be worshipped with fear by all his people. And his power for us on all his enemies. There is no situation that is bigger before God. God is so big than our situation. Remembering that he's a God of heaven, infinitely above us, and sovereign Lord over us. There is nothing that can stop God's to work in and through the world that he created. Then Nehemiah gets to remind us that we can come confidently before him, asking for his grace, because he's a God who keeps covenant. And mercy for those that love him. We can come to him because this is the God who is faithful, and he shows mercy to those who love him. In times of trouble, like the times that we find ourselves in. That's why I started by saying, there are some of you, maybe you are listening, you've lost your businesses. Some of you, maybe you've lost your loved ones. Some of you have lost employment. But I want you to understand that you can come before God, this God of mercy. You can come before him, the one who is above our situation. The other thing we learn here is that Nehemiah understood. He acknowledges God's ability to answer his prayers. He acknowledges, he tells us about, he's giving us imageries. He says in verse 6, he said that, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servant. So let your hear. So Nehemiah is giving us pictures. He said, if he's the God who created this, if he's the God who created the highs, therefore God can hear, God can see, and he will answer our, the prayer. Let your ear be attentive. So the power, what, what saves is not the prayer, but is the person who is hearing the prayer. Is the person who is seeing what is happening is the person who is going to give us the answers. So Nehemiah is saying, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servants that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. 
Friends, we can come before God confidently because we know that God can hear prayer. We can come before God confidently because we know that God can see what is happening in our lives. God can see what is happening in the nation at this time. Nehemiah had that confidence. He knew the God he was praying to. Are you confident enough about the God you are praying, you are approaching? Do you have faith in this God? Do you trust this God? Do you, are you really sure that you are coming before the God who can hear, before the God who can see? The current situation in the country, God can see it. The cries of men and children and women in this nation, God can hear it. So we can learn that from Nehemiah, an example for us to take with us. Then we also see something that we can learn from Nehemiah is his approach in terms of looking at the situation instead of pointing fingers, but we are told that Nehemiah prayed a prayer of confession. It continues in verse 6, confessing the sins of the people of Israel which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. So I have also participated. Even if he, it wasn't practically, even if it was other people who did something. But Nehemiah felt the responsibility to stand before God and said, God, please forgive us. The things of the past that had happened. My grand, my ancestors, they walk far away from you. They worship idols. They did things which were not pleasing to you. And Nehemiah stood because sometimes when there is a crisis, you know, it's so easy to look at who are those people. But I think it's time for us to stand and to take a learning from a person like Nehemiah to say, God, we come before you in the name of the nation in the name of even those who have done so and so, but we want to ask you, Lord, please, won't you please come in? Won't you please forgive us? Won't you please come and rescue us? No need to say that it's not my responsibility. No need to say that it's not me who did it. It's those people, but you said, God, here I am. I stand here like Nehemiah did. Something that we can take, something that we can learn from. So that I stand on behalf of my brothers and sisters. Even my own house, we have participated in some ways to this situation. To the point that it gets to the way that it is, we have participated in some ways, one way or the other. That's the reason why I'm praying, God, please, won't you forgive us? And... and, and, and and we can look, because when, when we talk about the book of Nehemiah, times and times again, we refer to it as a book of leadership. You know, a lot of people here talk about just a great leader, you have to do this, we have to do that. But when we think about it, even we have to think in parallel with the history of this nation, that there are some stuff that look, you look back, you said, 
I might have not participated in what we are seeing today as the result, as a result of the past, etc. But I think this nation needs prayer, ongoing prayer, standing before God and say, God, we might not be part of what had happened in this nation into the past, in the past, but we want to stand dear God. Whatever we are seeing today, whatever is happening in the country, we want to ask you, Lord, to please come in. We want to ask you to please forgive us, forgive whatever is happening. We want you to come and break into our nation and really save us from all that is happening. Even in your own life, even in my own life, we can do that. Then we get to another thing that we learn about Nehemiah is that we can take as an example from verse 7. Nehemiah said, We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments. He carries on in verse 8. He said, Remember the way that you commanded your servant Moses. The prayers that we are to pray are the prayers that has to be accompanied by God's words. Nehemiah is reminding God of his words to Moses. There are so many promises in God's words. When we get to pray, we have to remind God of his own promises to us. That's something that we can learn. Nehemiah is reminding God, he says that, you say this to your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you amongst, among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandment and do them, Though your outcasts are in the outmost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. Nehemiah is saying, God, you are the God who keeps your promises. You say this, and that's the reason why I came. I want to remind you of your own promises. When we come before the Lord, we can remind God of all the promises that he has for us, his people, and we pray according to God's word. Sometimes those promises are just like the word, for instance, maybe us as a church, you are in a prayer meeting, there is a particular word, prophetic word that has been given, and we can pray in line of that and trusting God to say, Father, please, won't you do this? And we'll get a time to do that. We've got some people who had sent in through some of those prayers or the sense of what the Lord might be saying in these difficult times. Then in verse 10 and 11, we see Nehemiah's conclusion. He said, There are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive. We repeat again to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Nehemiah separated. He looked at God and he looked at his employer. He looked at him and he didn't refer to him as the king. He said, this man, and he said, God, please be attentive. Once again, he asked, be attentive to the prayer of your servant and your people. Because Nehemiah believes that God is the God who is able to change situations. He's God who is able to hear and to give solution to issues. 
These are your people you have redeemed. We are in a privileged position when we think about what Christ has done for us. We can come confidently before him because he's the one who has redeemed us. When we pray in his name, we can stand and look at the situations that are happening around us, but we can say, God, you are our God, the one who has redeemed us by your might's end, and we can come confidently before you. Then the story of Nehemiah goes on. In chapter 2, Nehemiah went to visit Jerusalem, finally get granted you know, they release him. The king released him. You know, he said, you go. And he gets to Jerusalem. He inspects the places that were destroyed. And in verse 17, it says this of chapter 2, Then I said to them, referring to the people of Israel, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. In verse 18, And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me, and they said, These are now the people. Let us rise up and build so they strengthen their hands for the good work. In verse 18, Nehemiah is explaining to these people that I have seen God's hands. He has answered my prayer. There is a track record. Therefore, we can face this. And the people, when they heard about the testimony Nehemiah gave about God, not about himself, there are so many things when we read God's word. The track record of what God has done, we can therefore approach God confidently. We can tell of God's goodness. Therefore, we can call many people. Our testimony of who God is and what God has done, even your only salvation is a miracle. If you have a track record of what God has done, other people can see your faithfulness and your trust in God and they can stand and they can be encouraged, especially in these times. We are not in a time to communicate the negative news. We are in a time to stand and strengthen each other and to communicate the hope that this nation needs. It is easy when there is a problem to run away and to want other people to fix it so that you can come again and rejoice and enjoy what others have done. But here we learned that these people, when they heard, they said, let us rise. Let us stand together. Let us therefore go. But it doesn't mean that they never had any challenges. You know, chapters goes by. In chapter 3, we see that different families got involved in a physical work. But we need to understand that not only what Nehemiah was going to do was practical, it had some, some spiritual element into it. That's the reason why we are told that every time there was opposition when rebuilding these walls, Nehemiah would run into, in prayer. That's why we want to be a church, a people who continue to pray for the nation. We don't only pray when there is a crisis, but we want to be a people, the nation, the people who continue to pray for this nation because things will continue to happen 
E and N, they can be quiet. So when Nehemiah started to rebuke the walls, so there were opposition. People would come and follow, try to threaten them, but that never stopped them. He would pray, but they would continue to do the work. So Nehemiah responded to problems with prayer. Even when he begins the work, the actual physical work, Nehemiah recognized the problem, immediately prayed, then acted on the problem. He prayed and acted on the problem. And I want us to understand that prayer is still God's might force in solving problems today. Prayer still might force, it's still God's might force in solving problems today. Prayer and action go hand in hand. We cannot just look and say, okay, there is a problem. We are going to fix it because we've got means. No. We shouldn't look at all the problem just from spiritual elements or point of view or perspective. We shouldn't as well just look at the problem from the physical perspective. We are God's people. Every problem needs to be looked at from two points of view. One, is this purely spiritual or is this just purely physical. But as God's people, as we can see with Nehemiah, you know, when he heard about the walls of Jerusalem, Nehemiah would have said, let's contribute man and just go build the walls. But Nehemiah went to pray first. It is easy to say, okay, let's just collect the money. Let's just throw the money there. Friends, I'm telling you, there is power in prayer. And Nehemiah understood that this issue, though it is a physical construction of the walls, but I need to pray. We need to continue to pray because it is not just a physical issue as a spiritual element in it. Prayer and action go hand in hand. Through prayer, God guides our preparation. Through prayer, God's Help us, you know, to team together and diligent efforts to carry out what we are to do or God's will, what God wants us to do. So prayer, it is very important. So as I said, the chapters goes by Nehemiah started to face a lot of opposition from the enemies. But also, Nehemiah, you know, the workers, the people who were working, they were in deep fear. And there were also some conflicts that were happening. And there were also discouragements. We all do experience that, even in our own lives. When something is happening, you move to some, towards someone, you are sharing about your experience. So maybe you are sharing out of fear and all that kind of stuff, and maybe you get discouraged. And the only easy way is to either avoid or to run away. But nothing stopped Nehemiah and his team from rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Although these problems were difficult, they did not stop Nehemiah from finishing the work. We are not to allow any challenges in life 
to stop us from doing what God is calling us to do. Whether personal or as a church or as a nation. The dreams you have for this beautiful nation You have to know that any challenge that comes shouldn't stop you from giving the best of yourself to this beautiful nation. You don't allow anything. Nehemiah never stopped the building. When difficulties come in life, there is a tendency for discouragement to set in. We must recognize that there are no triumph without troubles. Even Jesus, when he accepted to come pay the price for us, he went through trouble. He went through humiliation. He went through insults. And he faced even death so that we may be redeemed. There is no way that we can look for a better day without having to expect challenges in life. But it is for us to pray and for us to be involved and for us to ask God's direction. The question you may ask, are there woes that need to be rebuilt today? Or are there woes that need to be built today? Because this was about the wars of Jerusalem. Are there any wars? I'll tell you that to see what is happening in the nation right now, yes, definitely. There are holes that need to be built. At multiple levels, there are so many things that need to happen. For these kind of things, not to happen again into the future. We have to pray for the nation and give ourselves to work together for the well-being of this country. There are so many things that need to be done. At a spiritual level, it's to be on our knees, ongoing. But there are also, at a practical level, stuff that need to be done, obviously in the government, obviously looking at some of the things, how things have been done in the past. And that, this leads me to the point where I want to share with us this prophetic word that I heard. And then I'm going to give us time. I'm going to let Greg lead us in a time of prayer. So far we've learned from Nehemiah that God is sovereign. When we look into Nehemiah's prayer, that we can approach God confidently, no matter the size of a problem, in our own lives as a church, also as a nation. We've also learned that we need to get a good stand when hidden by bad news. We need to run to God, not away from God. We need to be on our knees. We also learned that Nehemiah had two responsibilities. It was spiritual and it was also practical. He needed to be involved spiritually, but he needed also to organize and to get the team around, and they needed to do the work at a practical level. God did not put you here in this nation for no reason. The gift you have, all that you have, the resources, it's for such a time as this 
where you need to make yourself available and allow God to use you and allow God to use you for the well-being of the nation. So let me read for us these prophetic words, then I'm going to hand over to Greg. He's going to lead us in a time of prayer. So last Saturday, last week Saturday, it was uh, July 10th at uh, 11.30 p.m. I wrote it down because I wanted to make sure that I give us exactly the message that I, I had. After our two days of prayer and fasting, the Lord gave me two prophetic visions. The first one was about a beautiful sunny day, which suddenly got covered by thick clouds. I then saw numbers written in years on the crowds. I saw 2022, 2023, 2024. A day light looked as though it was nighttime because of the thick clouds. Then I saw the last numbers also written in year or years. It was 2025. Under these numbers or a year was indescribable lights. I could not describe. They, they were just beautiful. It was it looked so beautiful, the amount of lights that I saw. Suddenly, the vision went off my sight with no meaning at that stage. I didn't get any meaning at all. I prayed about it and went to bed. An hour or two into my sleep, I received the second vision, which then gave meaning to the first vision. I saw our SA airports crowded with so many people. And it was so busy. I felt so bad because these people were, were carrying their luggages, you know, they had bags. I felt so bad and questioned why uh, people and families are leaving the country. I heard the Lord's whisper saying, these people are not leaving the country. They're coming back home. I heard the people screaming with joy saying, finally, the peace we long waited for is here. So good to return home. Peace is finally here. I saw people, you know, they shake, shaking hands and hugging each other, singing, rejoicing together. I like words to explain the joy I saw on the people's faces. On the, or the faces of people. I like the words to explain that. And some express their joy in singing and dancing. I felt the Lord say to me, the first vision you saw is the result of their joy. The new day for this nation is on the way. The current unrest is not, with, is not what I, the Lord, have in store for this nation. South Africa. I am changing and transforming the hearts of my people in this nation. I heard the Lord say, a time for real change is on the way. One of the signs is that traditional political parties will be willing and open to transparency and collaboration and make room for a diversified leadership. What seems impossible to people say the Lord is possible to me or to him. The political leaders and different people groups will be willing to collaborate for a common goal, the nation's pr prosperity. The world will be surprised 
and they will talk about South Africa not as they currently do, but in a good way about its unity and peace. I heard the Lord said, He is working in this nation to change its narrative and give its people a new story for His glory. The story of peace and unity. How the Lord will push back the kingdom of darkness in your nation. Now, the reason why I share this, and also looking at Nehemiah's, I obviously share this with the leaders, also looking at Nehemiah's prayer, there is a response that we need to take as God's people. And when I, I wrote this particular message, I needed to put myself under God's word and said, what is my responsibility? I need to respond to this personally. I don't know about you and how you're going to respond, but I'm going to tell you how I responded. Because we need to take notes like Nehemiah did. He said, God, remember what you said to Moses, your servant. So here is what, an example of my response to these words. I said, I believe in the above promises of God about this beautiful nation. I feel the responsibility to be part of a solution and not to be part of a problem. As I look to the future of South Africa, I promise to work, I promise to love, work, and pray more for the prosperity of South Africa and its bright future. I am so convinced that God had so much good stuff for this nation. I invite you to please do the same. Be part of the solution in rebuilding this nation. There is nothing that I can do at a personal level to convince you that the Lord has a plan for this country. And you and I did not find ourselves in this nation by accident. I want us to take a moment to write down our personal and individual responses. When you think about the current situation, to say, God, help me, how should I respond? When you hear about a word like this, when you see how Nehemiah, when he heard about Jerusalem, how he responded. When you make that personal, individual commitment, it's between you and God. Friends, when we look at Nehemiah, Nehemiah left a secure employment because he felt bad about his people and about Jerusalem. But when we think about Jesus, who is a better Nehemiah, Jesus had to leave the glory in heaven, the praise and all that. He needed to come because he saw that the spiritual walls of your life, of, you, of the world, of my life were broken, were destroyed. We were vulnerable. And Jesus looked at that and said, I'm not going to stay here. Enjoy the praise, worship, and the glory. I am going down. I'm going to die. I'm going to die and pay the price on their behalf so that they may be secure again. So that the restoration of our relationship with God may be restored. Jesus, as a better Nehemiah, he came down. Nehemiah confesses his sins and that of his ancestors. But Jesus, as a better Nehemiah, he took the sins of Nehemiah. 
He took the sins of his ancestors. He took your sins upon himself and got punished for the sins that he never committed. He went at the cross and said, it is done. It is done for you. It is done for me. That's how Jesus constructed the walls that were the spiritual walls of this world, of your life and my life. Nehemiah cried to God for the mercy for his people, Israel. Jesus came to show mercy to the entire world, not only to a small group of people, but to the entire world. He came to do so, so that you and I, who are now in him, in Christ, can be the sort of light to the world, especially in such a time as this, with what is happening. We need to stand in as the sort of light to the world. A current sits to the right hand of God interceding for us. I feel that we have the responsibility as God's people to continue to intercede for this nation. I want us to take time now, I'm going to call Greg up, just to pray, to have the remaining time together, to pray for the nation. And Greg is going to be reading out some of the prayers or some of the uh, laments that some people have sent. God bless you.